conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Drew Deitch, and we are talking about the 12-issue series Wonder Twins from DC Comics. It is written by Mark Russell with art mostly by Stephen Byrne. I think we get a different artist for maybe one or two issues here or there, but Drew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, I, I am feeling the total refreshment, as Zan would say. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we you had uh, mentioned wanting to do this for, for Welcome to Geekdom because I just kind of mentioned it in our conversations offhand. You were like, hey, would you like to talk about this? And I'm like, absolutely, uh, because this is one of my, my top comics from the past couple years that I've read. Um, and, and, you know, to say I'm not, I'm not super on top of, uh, kind of prestige and, and well-reviewed and well-received comics as I used to be. Um, but this was one that had me interested for a couple reasons. One, Mark Russell had done a run of, uh, Flintstones, which was also a limited series that was extremely critically, uh, raved about, and I was like, okay, I'll check that out. And I quite liked the Flintstones. Um, there's some uh, elements of it that have, have jumped into meme territory out of context. They're like, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. But um, when it was announced that he was going to do the Wonder Twins, I was like, that seems so perfect for his particular approach to comedy mm-hmm. um, and and how to use comedy to still be, you know, uh, full of drama, full of uh, uh things to talk about, you know, extremely great themes. And the Wonder Twins has great themes going on. Uh, it's a it's a really meaty book. And I like that Mark Russell is able to be really thematically meaty while still being absolutely absurdly silly. I think that's one of his best uh, talents. And I think it might be best put to use in Wonder Twins. Yeah. And I was not familiar with any of these characters going into this Mm. other than obviously the the main justice league characters who appear in this, but I didn't know anything about the wonder twins or their planet, their father, their grandfather. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I can't speak to how much of that he made up for this because very cursory backstory. And this is pretty much my, and most people's only exposure to the wonder twins was that they weren't comics characters. They were created for the super Friends show. Right. um, The cartoon. And over the years, they pretty much became the butt of jokes like they weren't they eventually integrated into the comics at some point before this. But they were pretty much joke characters um, in the modern viewpoint of it. It's like, oh, they, you know, their power is they have to, you know, say Wonder Twin powers activate (laughs) and and press their magic rings together, which was in the cartoon. And this is just, you know, their powers. And then one of them can turn into animals and the other one can just turn into different forms of water, right. uh, which is like, yeah, that was always very it, it's like an easily lampoonable idea for superheroes. And pretty much that's what they were. And I think that's probably one of the reasons they appealed to Mark Russell, because it's like, oh, I can take these characters who at this point are pretty much just joke characters to most people. And that allows me to utilize my sense of comedy and satire within that to also make a a good dramatic argument for them as characters. And I think he succeeds in that. I think like wonder twins, this will forever be my version of wonder twins. Fun little fact here. This was actually only meant to be six issues. And then it was so well received that they extended it another six issues, which DC technically calls a maxi series. I still call everything a limited series. I just, it's just easier for me because I think Marvel will call them one thing and then DC calls oh, them sure, another. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, it's short. <laughs> I I used to have a book by um, Dennis O'Neill that was about writing for comics. Right. And he talked about different terminology of miniseries, maxi series, yada, yada, yada. And now it's kind of like, yeah, it just depends on branding. Like for me, anything that's like designed to go for a certain, you know, limited run, it's limited series or, or you know, miniseries or whatever and that is interesting because this is very clearly divided into two halves um in terms of the the story structure um uh, i actually made a point of that when uh in issue seven it was like oh yeah the way they have to recap everything and the way they're jumping back into it was done really well it's like oh clearly they had a break for however many months 
and came back and had to kind of, you know, recap what happened. And, and I thought they did that very well while it not being tacky or slowing down the pacing. Right. This is also Mark Russell's backdoor into getting to play with uh, not really the Justice League. It's primarily the, the Trinity. And really, it's Superman. Yeah. Like, this is a stealth Superman comic from Mark Russell, I believe. For sure. And because, like you said, we really only see the Trinity in, what, Green Lantern here and there? Yeah, there's, you know, like Hawkman shows up. Yeah. There's, you know, flashes there. But as far as focusing on them as, like, giving them strong character beats, it's, honestly, it's not even really the Trinity. It's primarily Superman and Batman and really primarily Superman. Superman has a lot of focus in the story, not just because he is he is presented as the the face, the talking head for the Justice League, but he's the one who, you know, saves Jan and Zana uh, f- from uh, from exile. Um, I'm sorry, Zan and Jana mixed up their uh, first consonants. He saves them from the exile of the planet. He gets them set up on Earth and set up in, uh, you know, the Justice League, you know, first is essentially just. <laughs> sitting around as interns um and then eventually tour guides which is hilarious um and so there there's a lot of superman here and superman ends up representing quite a bit and and is even criticized through, throughout the book but he he certainly has some very powerful moments in terms of getting across mark russell's belief of the character and philosophy and what he should represent but he's not stealing the show this isn't like you know Zan and Jaina are our main characters. I think having the two of them be essentially an opportunity to explore two very different perspectives with whatever problem uh, and the perspectives being optimistic and kind of pessimistic at times for for Jaina because Zan, I, I love Zan so much. He is one of my favorite characters in superhero comics over the last decade because he is so funny, because he's so naive. But his naivete is a way to showcase his positive outlook about life and how he's trying to make the world a better place. You see the two of them kind of struggling with the differences from their planet and everything that's going on on Earth because they were in this sort of utopia. And (laughs) while it wasn't always that way... It's pretty much all they know, because everything from when it wasn't that way pretty much happened like before they were born. And you get that backstory filled in. And I think that helps with the pacing of this, because you don't want to just have an issue where they throw all the backstory at you. And then you jump back into the story. I like that it's kind of sprinkled throughout. So you're getting little bits and pieces. And obviously, they're getting accustomed to Earth while sort of being thrown into the situations at the hall where they're mostly giving tours, but they also have like these side missions that they will go on every once in a while as Batman is back up to Superman and then they're back up to Batman, you know? Yeah, that's they they, that's after they because that's in the halfway point, because uh, in the first six issues, the Wonder Twins are given the the honor of stopping a big worldwide, uh, you know, villain scheme by the Scrambler, which the Scrambler is this great villain who has the ability to body switch and he is planning to body switch everybody on the planet as a way to get across like the inequality. Like it's like the only way we're going to have equality on the planet is if nobody knows how powerful they're going to be tomorrow. And I I love Russell's use of the, of the comic to uh, explore these kinds of ideas of justice. You know, he, he doesn't believe in good and evil as, as it uh, pertains to social structures in this. He talks about, well, I should say, you know, Jaina says that, you know, there there is no good and evil. There is just um, pettiness and generosity. Like, and those are the two choices you have to make. And um, it's it's a whole book about like how do you how do you make justice in the world? What is justice? Um, because they're constantly seeing that this this constructed world of superheroes and supervillains, it's a its a binary system that isn't actually evoking change. It's just maintaining a status quo. And that's a really, like, that's a bold thing to use this comic to talk about, which is like, hey, yeah, the, the Justice League, like, they're, they're doing the best that they think they can, but they're not actually changing anything. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting to see 
you know, that be a, a talking point in in this comic. Um, I, I, I really enjoy that. And again, I enjoy it a lot because Mark Russell is able to be very funny and very silly. Yeah. Um, it's it's an extremely silly comic without being stupid or, you know, pandering that the humor comes from the characters, the the satire of the world, like the 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 integration um, of Lex Luthor in this comic is so good. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I love this version of Lex where he, you know, he is the ultimate villain capitalist where he has a Fox News equivalent where all the human uh, broadcasters are all also bald. Um, <laughs> which is yeah. great that he would make them all look like him. That's so brilliant. It's amazing. But at the same time, <laughs> you know that because Lex is in this story, something very serious is going to happen. And we see how... Polly's dad plays into that because of the work he did for Luther and the work he did in high school when he was just sort of trying to create something to make the world better. And then it turns out that's not really what it was going to do. And Mm -hmm. you see the panic that is spreading because planes are going down. You have people protesting and, you know, really enjoying what is happening and that's no surprise i mean yeah no i mean there's a <laughs> th- there's there's some I-, I like that russell is able to use comedy to really talk about some 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 bad elements of our modern culture yeah. um you know like the, the the great thing is that the 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 scrambler when he has this plot and you know says to everybody like i'm going to scramble everybody's consciousness on the world and as a demo i've just scrambled 1 million people and like uh, to, to like the one of the examples he shows is there's like some sports like uh, uh, supplier, like they make like soccer balls and it's some boss saying like, I don't care. We need this order and yada, yada. And all of a sudden he switched to some sweatshop kid that's making the soccer balls. Um, and so everybody's freaking out. And, and so because of this, the nations of the world actually get together and solve like every problem. Yeah. They, they, they put into legislation, like, we, we figured out climate change, we figured out, you know, uh, uh, economic inequality, we figured out everything because we don't know who we're going to be, and then when the the Wonder Twins and with the Justice League are able to stop the scramble, everybody rejoices and they throw all that legislation out the window, and Jaina is, is uh, you know, Zan is celebrating, she's like, yeah, you know, I, I love the episode, I love issue seven. Um, because when he comes back and he's super popular at school, mm-hmm. like, wow, did you, re- you really took down the scrambler? <laughs> and he's like, well, look, I got to give Superman and Green Lantern an assist. But yeah, it was <laughs> like, I, I love Zan. I love him so much. <laughs> he's, I love the, um, the dating I, issue. The was date fun. <laughs> is, I, yeah. The date issue. Uh, it, it, uh, again, he, he is, he is this incredibly, you know, positive character. Yeah. He has his down moments, but you know, he is showing and, and he, you know, helps show Jana like how he believes he can make the world a better place. Cause it's like, you know, he goes on this date and his date's ex-boyfriend shows up to the movies and they end up <laughs> reconnecting yeah. and Zan is totally just like, you know, not cared about or whatever. He's like, when, yeah, I got a get... friend out of it. It's fine. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Like the red flag, which is a great, 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 uh, uh. super villain, uh, character. I um, was like, oh, dude, you got friend zone. You were trying to get some chick and now you're a friend. And he's like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> uh, like you know, we, we probably would have broken up in like four weeks because we're 17. But now I have a friend and that could last forever. Imagine if we and could all like, be like Zan. <laughs> Zan is so great. I mean, it, to the point where th- there's this really somber moment. I think it's an issue three because I think th- that's when he gets gleek. Um, yeah. And uh, and Superman is talking about well, Jana, you know, is confronting. He's like, look, there's like all these problems in the world. And Superman says, like, the real superpower uh, and being on this planet isn't flight or speed or invulnerability. It's knowing everything that's wrong and not going crazy from it. And it's like, wow, it's like it's a and, and the panel is great because it's, you know, Superman looking very solemn with a bunch of TV monitors behind him of, of a bunch of the world's problems. And it's like, oh, man, like that. That's really rough. But right after that, uh, Zan is there and he's got Gleek and Superman's like, is that a monkey? 
and 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 Zan is feeding him a banana and he's like, yeah, like he he loves he loves this. Like the only thing you can do is, you know, one happiness at a time. Like you can try and just be kind to somebody who needs your kindness. And that like that's the way you can make the world a better place. Yeah. Um, you know, one act of kindness at a time. And and that is like that ends up being the kind of lesson at the end that Jaina learns is like, yeah, this is the you know, wise a wise man told me that you can save the world by one kindness at a time. Um so Zan is just like this, he's you know, he wants to be super popular, but he's not he's just he's great. He's a he's just a great, great character. And Jaina is too, because Jaina has a much more you know, complicated and, and um, analytical look at what's going on. And yeah. she has she has a real I like that the stakes aren't just for her, like, oh, the woes of the world. It becomes personal when she becomes friends with Polymath, um, who's, you know, dad we talked about who worked with Luther. And because of what happens with her dad and the scrambler and everything, Polly resents Jaina and looks at her as like, all right, well, you know, you're on the force that's against me, that's opposing the change that I'm trying to bring to the world. And there's a in issue seven, there is uh, when they're doing the recap of of what all happened. Yeah. Um. You know, Jay, you know, Zan is like, oh, this is great. You know, like we busted, we saved the world, and now I'm super popular. I have the nickname I like. Everybody in school likes me. And Jane is like, yeah, it wasn't a great week for me. Um. You know, my friend feels that I betrayed her and uh, now she looks at me as an enemy and her plan could have could have fixed so many of the problems of the world. And we stopped that. And Jana blames herself and Zan. I I took this because I really liked this moment. He said, "Um, I know she was a good friend, but you can't hold yourself responsible. If you respect Polly, then respect her decisions. Right or wrong, she did what she thought was best knowing the consequences that's all any of us can do and i'm like what a what a great like summation and standpoint for it. it's like look because because the, the book is again talking about in this comic book superhero world and as an analog to our own we've constructed this binary system of of there are good guys and bad guys there are heroes and villains and that's not what's going on that's not what's really happening it's people trying their best and knowing the consequences of their actions and, you know, trying to do something that they believe is good, whether it's, you know, our approximation of good or not. It's it's a wonderfully complicated little book, but through those elements of humor and just really great story pacing, it never feels preachy or, you know, bogged down like, it, you know, the silliness is always there. It's trying to be a fun comic and make you laugh. I, I just love all that. I, I love I, I just love that it's uh, able to take these characters and turn them into, you know, real, real dramatic characters while yeah. still being just consistently funny and silly. Yeah. And they're high school kids. It should be that way. Oh, well, yeah. As I, I love that. You know, uh, one of my favorite things that's in issue one is that uh, they talk about. On their planet, uh, when you know, when when Zan does like, I am Zan for the planet Exor. At you know his student introduction to the class, he's like, yeah, you know everything's great until there's a thunderstorm because then we get this thing <laughs> called the Thunderlust, and you know we're all changing. Yeah. And, and like, and the teacher is like, okay, Zan, thanks. And he's like, many body bodily fluids are exchanged, um, and uh, a thunderstorm happens when he's like trying out for track. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, doing pee or whatever. And he's like, I've got the thunder lust. And so now, you know, he's like, oh, I, I hate this place. I hate Earth. Like, we can't be here because I got the nickname Thunderlust. <laughs> and he's and, and it's like it's one of the few times in the comic that he is truly dejected. Yeah. And so they go back to the Hall of Justice and Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are there, and he talks about it. it's like, oh yeah, uh, like Wonder Woman's like Zan became a man today, which is so fun. It's so great to give her that line, like, yeah. Um, um, and then Superman and Batman are both like, that's all, dude. Let's tell, sit down. Like they they share high school embarrassment stories, like where and it's and I love that Batman goes first. He's like, I wrote a I wrote a love song to this girl I had a crush on. <laughs> And the teacher yeah. thought it was my poetry assignment, so she read it to the class. 
And it's like to you know to to be sung in the tune of whatever by the Bee Gees. And he's like, so my nickname that whole month or whatever was Bee Gee. Yeah. And it's like oh like Batman. Sh- and then he's like, if I survive that, you'll be fine. <laughs> like and Superman yeah. does the same thing. It's it it's great. Like it is. It's like hey, d- remember like the these superheroes. You know, for as much as we take them seriously, like they sh- they there should be a a joviality and a lightness and a relatableness to them on on you know a lighter level and i i i like that russell is able to do that um with the justice league in, in particular superman but like a, you know superman batman they stop some hostage situation or whatever when once they're stopped they're like hey you want to go see a movie tonight like it's like all right i'll see you at 7 30 um it's like oh yeah like they're they're friends like they're it's nice to see the justice league be friends yeah like it's it's you know because so much of the drama of a lot of those books is what you know what's the the ideological clashes that they have and stuff and it's like oh no they just they go see movies on Friday nights together it's like oh that's nice I like this <laughs> yeah and I think just a quick note on DC in general they've been doing a great job with putting out comics like this that are six to 12 issues or something. And Mm -hmm. even some of the other stuff like DC Black Label, they'll do like three books of something, which they're usually like double or triple issue sized. But, you know, reading this kind of reminded me of how I felt when I was reading Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. Yeah, Because it just has that lightheartedness that you don't always get, especially from DC, because DC comics do tend to run a little on the darker side than like some stuff you'll get from marvel for instance but marvel i think needs to do more stuff like this and i know marvel versus dc is like an age-old thing and i just find myself wanting to read stuff like this more than jumping into an ongoing series and trying to figure out if I need to start from the very beginning and run all the way mm. through, which I still do. I, I'm doing that for Nightwing right now, and it has some pretty low lows for the oh, rebirth yeah, run. That, yeah. So I'm kind of just like biding my time until I get to the Tom Taylor run. <laughs> oh, I didn't even read. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's pat. That's past my time as far as my my involvement with Nightwing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, talking about Marvel DC for a moment. Um, you know, I I grew up. I I loved both you know, houses and and characters from them. But DC was always the one I felt that was more accessible to me because there were so many options of like, hey, you just read this one story. Like it it wasn't, you know, a matter of I didn't even look at it as like runs or, 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 you know, whatever. It was like, oh, here is this Batman story. And, you know, yeah, it was eight issues in Legends of the Dark Knight or something. But whatever, it's just a story and it doesn't. It's totally self-contained, and and I think part of that is because DC has been willing, both in in canon and in uh, kind of their overall approach to to reinvent themselves and reboot themselves uh, way more than Marvel has, because I think Marvel's taken a much stronger view of continuity or their you know seeming continuity, uh, right. and then that makes it it's like well yeah you have to acknowledge that this thing happened in canon and yada 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 um even if it really doesn't matter to the particular story you're telling because there are definitely marvel runs it's like okay yeah i can read this you know devoid of anything else but there's still the sense that it's taking place in this bigger world where there have been other things going on and things are like you are defined history um whereas dc like like with this wonder twins I love this because it's not beholden to anything but itself. It's like it doesn't have to worry about what's going you know what characters can we use cuz you know who's in continuity right now and like oh if I if I do this with Superman is it going to look bad because they have that other Superman comic going on. It's like no, DC's always been like there's like seven Supermans going on yeah. like right now and they're all different so pick the one you like. Which which I'm more of a fan of. Like and and something like the Wonder Twins is a great example because their characters like you can't do a DC black label wonder twins. Right. Like, you know, black label is also no for it's like, they called it that. Cause it's like, this is all the super serious stuff, guys. Um, you know, R rated and it's like, okay. And there's good, there's certainly great, good stuff that is um, great stuff that has come out of DC black label. But 
Wonder Twins as a limited series is like, yeah, these aren't characters that need to be showing up in the next crisis event or, you know, in some team up book or whatever. It's like, no, they, this version and, and the, the version of the DC universe they inhabit is perfect for this story. You know, I, I wouldn't want to see the super serious, you know, Wonder Twins involved in some serious, you know, like yeah. some DC event where, you know, they all come back as zombies or something. It's like, no, I don't I don't care. It's like, just do this. Yeah, we don't need that. And I think, you know, it's it's just interesting to me what DC has been doing on that front with, like we mentioned, Black Label, but even Hill House Comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no. something that is very much up my alley and yours. And oh, for sure. I mean, I'm glad to. Ha- I'm I'm glad any major comic outlet has a has a dedicated horror, you know, like outlet, you know, or just whatever. They, they want to call it because I know horror can be a dirty word for some people, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely stoked for that, you know, because I mean, for me, when I was growing up and I wasn't as aware of it until I, I was a, a little, a little bit older, like in my uh, teens was DC's Vertigo imprint, which was right. like, oh, this is like, you can come and do some weird stuff over here. Yeah. Sandman, Preacher, Why the Last Man. A lot of that stuff is great. Alan Moore, Swamp Thing, like all that, like, yeah, there's, I have a ton of Vertigo stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's just this thing over here. Even if sometimes DC characters will show up and stuff, doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it. This is its own thing. Yeah, exactly. And even with this, this was under a pop-up imprint, which was called Wonder Comics. So it started mm-hmm. with Young Justice, Naomi, Dial H for Hero, and Wonder Twins as part of what they called season one. And I think it got cut a little short because then season two was just six issues of Amethyst and a single Ginny Hex special. But, you know, Young Justice, Dial H for Hero and Naomi, I can definitely see them all being along the lines of this. So that makes sense. And well, it definitely sounds like it was an imprint designed for like younger teenage, like like preteen young teenagers. Exactly. And, you know, some got more issues than others, which Young Justice getting 20 issues doesn't really surprise me. But again, that's still a pretty contained run in the grand scheme of things at DC and Marvel, because Mm. they love their ongoings. And It seems like DC has kind of gotten over the whole, we need a number one every few years or something, because the Rebirth stuff is on issues in the 90s to 100s for certain titles. Okay. So they haven't rebooted just yet from, I think, 2016. So they've been going for like six years on the same ongoings. But then they're they're adding in this stuff, which I, I think I really like. Yeah, I'm, I'm way more for this. Again, where I'm, I just don't, you know, after, honestly, Crisis on Infinite Earths, that was like, you know, the first time I was like, this is the big in-canon, you know, reboot thing. This is why we're doing this. And then it just became a cycle of like, okay, every decade or so, we need to do something like this so we can reboot the continuity so that, you know, uh, the diehard fans can, you know, be like, oh, well, you know, these, the versions that we rebooted, they're still canon because they exist in some multiverse or whatever. But, you know, we we also need to have number one. So people, you know, because people feel weird picking up, you know, Batman 578 because they're going to feel like they're totally out of the loop, you know, makes much more sense, which, which is why I think, you know, the limited runs make a lot of sense capitalistic wise because it's like, oh, yeah, like nobody's going to feel that they need to read anything outside of this or before this or anything. But also I'm just more about, hey, give a really talented writer and artist a character. Let them go do six, eight, 10, 12 issues of something. Don't let it factor in. You know, eventually when you do, you know, Crisis 17, like it'll be like, oh, we're going to do that version of Batman because people really liked that limited series, you know, or what happened in that continuity. Um, and, And it's like, fine, whatever. But I just, I you know, I can't care about ongoing event comic stuff. It's so anymore. hard. I, I, gave, I gave that up a long time ago because it's like, because I was, I was in the thick of it when they were doing um, uh, 52. Yeah. Where it was, you know, like every week, uh, you know, this, this event was going on and leading up to, uh, I think, I think that was leading up to final crisis. I don't know. There's been so many crises. And I was just like, I can't, you know, even if you have somebody, a good writer on these things, they just don't. 
They just don't matter as like self-contained stories. They're about these bigger universes that as much as I love DC and, and that universe and characters, I just can't care about. I'm like, no, I'd rather just read a like really good Harley Quinn story that only lasts for eight issues. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's it. That's all I need. And it's like, great. Then I'll read the next one when, when they come around. I think that's why I was drawn a little more to Scott Snyder's Batman run for new 52, because it seemed very focused on Batman with exception of, you know, a handful of issues here or there that tied into Mm. other events. But for Mm. the most part, you can read that run start to finish and not feel like you need to, go read three other titles, but no. Cause like, I mean, Bat- Batman being the flagship character, they're always like, it's so, it's so funny. I've, I've said this before. I'm like, I don't know why DC in films is so interested in making a, you know, a big DC universe idea when yeah. Batman, Batman is big enough to be his own universe. Like, right. Because you have the Batman title and then you have the detective comics title. And that's kind of where I fell off with rebirth. I have like the first three Batman trades and the first detective comics trade. And it felt like those two at that time when rebirth relaunched were kind of intertwining a little too much. And I kept having to Mm. read like issues of both. And so I didn't really keep collecting it. Plus then they launched DC universe infinite. So I kind of started buying fewer physical DC comics, even though sure. no, absolutely. you and I both love our physical books. I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say this, like comics are, I'm now at a point with comics where I would rather read a run digitally. And then if it's like, wow, I really, yeah. I would like to have this. I'll see what, you know, physical copies are available. But um, like I, I have a good collection of comics, uh, you know, like trade paperbacks and, and some hardcovers, some ab- some DC absolute versions and stuff. But, um, you know, for, for the most part, comics, you know, are so made to be digestible that it's like, yeah, honestly, the ones that I'd want to have physical copies of are few and far between these days. Hon- like, it's unfortunate. I don't think this Wonder Twins run will ever you know, be given the, the, the do I believe it should be given. I think this is a great comic. Yeah. Um, like one that, you know, I'm, I'm glad it obviously was aimed at uh, a younger audience, but that does not mean that, you know, only they should be reading it. I think this is a phenomenal use of the DC universe. Um, it's super funny that you get, there's so many characters. You'll be surprised at the characters that show up that, like even just, there's so many cameos. Like when there's the, uh, this is a very Venture Brothers take on the uh, the DC universe, which I like because I love Venture Brothers. There's like a a, a villains mixer night, mm, yeah, um, <laughs> and and there's you know so there's this big panel of a whole bunch of villains, and there's there's a shot of the scarecrow and he's spraying <laughs> some fear gas in somebody's face. He's like it's kiwi scented. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I love that. This was um, so fun, and I'm glad I finally read it because when you had mentioned it before. I think I went to go start to read it and I read like the first issue and then just never went back to it, probably because Mm. I was in the midst of doing Stephen King stuff since this started coming out in 2019. And by the time Mm. I got DC Universe Infinite, I want to say that launched sometime in 2020, maybe, or like towards the end of 2019, something like that. Yeah, 2019, maybe. That That sounds about right. Yeah, so... You know, everything is about six months behind on there. So this was still coming out at the time. And I was like, I'll just wait until everything's on there. And then I just never went back to it. But I was like, Mm. I need some quick episodes to do for Geekdom because I've been so bad at scheduling this podcast. And I only have 10 episodes to do after this. (laughs) So I'm just like, okay, I need to get on the scheduling. So Wonder Twins is a quick read too, even though it's 12 issues. You can probably knock it out in about an hour, an hour and a half, depending on how fast you read. And Mm. I was able to pretty quickly go through the remaining issues this morning before we recorded here. And it's just such a fun time. And this is an easy one to revisit. Like, I'll revisit oh, yeah. certain comics, you know, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, for instance. I've read that two or three times now. And mm-hmm. I'm not someone who loves to reread things, but I find comics easier to reread just because you can obviously get through them faster than you can The Stand, 
or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, so. yeah. The time the time invest investment can be less, but also, um, I I love revisiting a lot of comics because there will be times just like with any other type of art where I key in on something particular. Like yeah. I I really liked. Um, this is this, this is only the second time I've read through the entirety of the wonder twins run, but I was really paying attention to the lettering around, uh, this time where it's like, Oh, look again at the emphasis of words, um, uh, that are, you know, it, it's something that I think is made to be subliminal for the most part, but it's like, Oh yeah. Like some of them, and I'm sure this is probably indicated in, in the scripts by Russell as well, but, um, you know, there will be just a slight bold type, um, you know, to certain words. Yeah. So, so for example, like in that, in that, uh, quote that I had, uh, if you look at the, that panel, the bolded words on that are yourself, poly decisions. And then, uh, that's all any of us, any of us can do. So like the focus is like you're picking up, it's like, okay, the key things about this are Jaina's perspective, how she feels about Polly and the decisions that Polly made. Um, and it's like, oh, this is stuff that you will, you know, maybe not pick up on a, on a first read of of a comic, you know, that, that it's like, oh, looking at the emphasis of the lettering and what they're trying to get across or the artwork. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk much about Stephen Burns artwork in here. And I, and I think that's a, that, that's not a a fair shake because, um, this is, I, I like the, like, I like the look of this book a lot. Yeah. Um, it's very just, you know, but, but I think it's especially knowing that it was made for an imprint aimed at younger, uh, readers. It's like, yeah, it's made to be very soft and approachable. Like it's, it's a very cartoon style, um, which I liked. Like, it's like, it's, oh, it, it fits the tone of the book and the characters perfectly. Yeah, it really does. And I'm not sure who did the art with him with Mark Russell on the Flintstones. I don't know if it was also Stephen Byrne. Uh, no, it, it was not. I don't believe it was Stephen Byrne. I, I, it may have been, but I don't believe so. Um, and I don't have that pulled up. And I think the Flintstones had more alternate artists. Yeah. Okay. But it really feels like Mark Russell's writing lends itself well to the style of art too, which oh, I think oh, for that's sure. crucial because sometimes I'll read a comic and the art doesn't, quite match the tone of the writing mm-hmm. and you know you have various different art styles especially if someone's doing you know watercolors or something which could be a colorist choice not an artist choice but sometimes that will tend to be the artist is also the colorist so mm. you know you have some art that is much cleaner you have some art that's a little more gritty and not as clean lines and a little more muddied and that works for a certain kind of story. So I think, you know, Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne were a great pairing for this title. And I think, like I said, the art changed for one or two issues. And maybe I'm interested in you saying that because I don't have a clear memory of that. I thought it was Byrne all the way through, but I, I may be wrong because I, you know, and it may, you know, for some of these, it may be like, well, it wasn't a full issue. It might've been, you know, a page or something. For, for that kind of stuff that that's a little bit it might have been issue six which could okay. just be because they or issue seven which just could be because they did the first six issues and then they decided to do six more at a later time mm. so it could have been like they needed someone to do one because Stephen byrne was doing something else gotcha makes yeah it makes total sense yeah they didn't have it planned in the schedule Yeah, I just remember when I was reading through, I definitely saw someone else's name on one of the issues, and I feel so bad for not remembering it. Yeah, no. Now, now that you say that, I do remember. I I have a, I have a. uh, You, you've implanted that. uh, You've incepted me, um, into believing. It's like, oh yeah, I think there was a another name by Stephen Byrne on at least one of the issues. Yeah, but still, I mean, the, the the book is, you know, I think. When it comes to comic book art, it's 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 tough because there are certain books where clearly the art style is is the is a big selling point that that it's like oh this is and usually those are for more prestige titles. I mean, let's just be honest. I have it. It's issue eight actually, and it is eight. Mike okay. Norton who does the art, and okay. it wasn't such a drastic change that you even noticed. I didn't notice it, so I mean, you know, good job on him. 
yeah, no, I, I, I like the art style. It's again, it's, it's soft, it's approachable. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's totally, it's, it's exactly what it needs to be for the kind of audience it's going for and the story it's telling. Um, you know, I don't need everything to be illustrated by Bill Sankowitz or, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's like, oh no, like it, you know, you, it's fine. Like it's fine to have this stuff. But then on the other end, it's like, well, sometimes there can be a, this homogenous nature to a lot of these, particularly superhero comics where the art, you know, is, is, is just, you know, not, it's kind of, it just feels secondary. Um, and yeah. I think in this case with Wonder Twins, this is actually a really good case of, the writing style and tone and characters merging with the art style in harmony. Like there's a real harmonious uh, uh, unity between them without, without trying to be, you know, super, it's like, Oh, we need to make this the, you know, most incredible splash panel or whatever, which that that's fun too. And sure. I get, yeah, I, I love me some splash panels. Yeah, me too. Just a quick follow up on the Flintstones. The artist on that one is Steve Pugh. Pugh. Okay. Yeah. We we got two versions of Steve's here, which I think yeah, is why Steves. my brain was like, these are very similar names. Something's going on, but I don't know what it is. I will I will say like I liked the Flintstones quite a bit, but I would have liked it more uh, potentially if Stephen Byrne had done it because I just think, like you said, his, his art is very in concert with uh, Russell's writing. Yeah, like they just really click together um, to the point where it's like there's just so many great little background gags and stuff um, to, that, that help with the world building of this. Um, you know, one of the, one of the big story points is this uh, AI from the eighties is resurrected and is going to take over the world and, and destroy everything. And um, that issue is about the dangers of nostalgia and, and saying, and nostalgia being much more far reaching than just, Ooh, I liked these toys when I was a kid. It's like, and there is a, a poster for Lex News, and the tagline of it is the way things used to be, and it's over. Uh, I believe Jana talking about like yeah, like the past is something that we need to acknowledge and, and understand, but we cannot like be stuck in it and beholden to it, and you know rose color it essentially because then you get a lot of people thinking backwards thoughts. Um, yeah, because it's tied in with their nostalgia and their you know their belief of a of a of a ideal or a mindset that didn't really exist but to them it did because that's their you know their nostalgia in play um and yeah i mean it, this is like the most basic and we we mentioned it but it, it's it bears repeating this is just a fun book um it's a really fun book uh yeah. and fun being you know it's not brainless like it's a smart fun book and it's i think it's rarer and rarer to see this balance of like, yeah, there's some there's some real smart stuff going on here in terms of social commentary and and, um, you know, picking apart certain things within the world and as an allegory or, you know, metaphor for our own world. But at the end of the day, it's fun. It's fun being with these characters. It's funny. It's it's just a really, really great time. And I hope as the years go on and there's more, you know, retrospectives into certain eras of DC, I really hope this gets the shine. Like if they ever came out with, you know, some prestige release of this, because I think the only way you can get it is in two trade paperbacks uh, as far as physical goes. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they only planned six issues at first and then they were like, oh, people are liking this. Let's do six more. Yeah. Well, well, and again, it was also because, you know, it's aimed at a younger audience, yep. whereas, you know, like, all, like, I'm sure all the DC Black Label stuff is always up for like some hardcover edition or some prestige collection if it does you know well critically and in, in sales but stuff like this it's like no this was made to be kind of disposable because it's aimed at a younger audience and you know i can't speak of the other uh uh runs under this wonder comics imprint but i really hope this one does not get lost in the shuffle yeah like it, it's it's really stand out like i said i i liked it more than is the flintstones and and i really like the flintstones um I, I would be fine like wh where the comic ends is a, is a great ending mm -hmm. but it but it does have a feel of like hey we could be back for more because I think it yeah. says like uh, it says see you in the next series which is a very you know vague like yeah maybe it won't be a one or twin series but you know see you later it could be a team book yeah easily yeah something uh, oh yeah I mean there's a there's a very fun uh beast boy appearance earlier mm -hmm. on 
And I was like, oh, man, like do do Wonder Twins with the Teen Titans or some other, you know, teen group. Um, and and from their perspective, from the Wonder Twins perspective. And DC is obviously fine doing stuff like that because I know they did crossovers mm-hmm. a while back. Yep. And I think those did pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I don't have exact numbers on those, but I'm pretty sure like Tom King wrote the like whatever it was batman and porky pig or something uh, I, th- I think it was batman and elmer fudd okay i think so um it might have been batman and porky pig but yeah i mean tom king wrote that yeah i mean i just i just want you know i don't know what else mark russell has done other than i think he wrote that snaggle puss that again was very critically uh, beloved and uh you know i i would love to ha- give him more room to play in the dc universe yeah. um the at, at the end of you know spoiler alert for anybody who does want to read wonder twins um the very ending the the statement of the book is a really great one the justice league says to the wonder twins like look you're right like we're our thing we are maintaining a status quo there but that but you know what we're doing is solving problems like somebody does need to stop meteors from crashing you know into the planet like someone needs to do that but there are other problems in the world that the justice league is not built to solve and so for that, we, they create this new uh, outlet called Asterisk um, that they want the Wonder Twins to run that are like, yeah, and these are for problems that, you know, like social problems that the Justice League is not. That's not what we're doing. Like, yes, we have to stop the invasion of Brainiac. Somebody needs to be on call to do that. Yeah. But there are other problems in the world that we're not fixing. And so that's what you all need to do. And it's, you know, it's a great it's a great message about like, yeah, like the younger generation has ideas and has, you know, uh, things that they want to try to, to solve the problems of the world, give them the opportunity. Um, uh, and, and I would love to, I like, in all honesty, that would be great. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, Zan and Jaina running their own super team. <laughs> like, honestly, you should call it super friends. Yeah. Cause that's where they're from. Um, and just put together their own team of young because because the other thing I I adore that Mark Russell gets to do here is create characters. There's there's so many created characters in here like Praying Mantis and uh, pr- pretty much the entire League of Annoyance, which is a very Venture Brothers idea. Um, you know, there's the Malingerer whose power just seems to be that he's extremely fragile and will sue you if you hurt him. Um, so I would love that too. I love, you know, the scrambler is, is a great villain, like his ideology and everything, but he's silly. Like he's a guy that wears a little egg on his shirt. Um, so I would love to see Mark Russell get to make even more characters. Cause the ones he did were great. Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about, uh, Baron Nightblood, as he likes to be called, um, but is more colloquially known as Drunkula. There's so many um, random fun characters in this. <laughs> yeah, it's and those are again, they're 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 made up. I for I'm almost certain there is no Drunkula in the DC history. And Mark Russell was like, yeah, I want to talk about you know, I want to make a villain that is uh, you know by the end of that story has been uh misserved by the systems of justice like you know like uh, his story is a tra- drunkula's story is a tragic one um uh, but it's still funny uh, yeah. <laughs> um but it is sad and it's like oh yeah so i would i would love for him to just make up more ridiculous characters uh because he's really good at it but yeah th- this is a great book i i can't sing its praises hardly enough um and like i said i hope i hope dc and readers, as time goes on, see how much value is really in it. Yeah, absolutely. And you were correct. It's Batman and Elmer Fudd. It's Lex Luthor okay. and Porky Pig, which is Oh, great. yes. Okay, yes. yes. So, Two bald boys. I, I um. knew there was a <laughs> version of that in there somewhere. But yeah, I second everything you said. Check this out. If you have not yet, I think DC is doing a lot of fun stuff like this especially within the last five to six years roughly maybe even Mm -hmm. more so in the last three years and you know i am looking forward to reading things like the human target series that they're doing and yeah i've heard good stuff about that there's just so much that i think gets lost in the continuity shuffle the ongoing shuffle if you will yeah don't don't pay attention like find the stuff like that's why i like like i still need to read the um uh tom king's and uh 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 what's the mr miracle artist guy mitch something mitch 
Jared's? Yes, like they're they're uh, strange adventures. Um, I still need to read that. Yeah, I have Mr. Miracle sitting on my shelf. So I was like, all right, oh, I got to do great. strange adventures. And then Tom King is doing that human target one with Greg Smallwood, whose mm. art I really love too. And it's so nice to be able to just read these all digitally. My issue lately has been having time to justify paying for all of these <laughs> comic services. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they still get, yeah. Yeah, they still get you for it. I just do yearly, and I'm like, okay, if I read X amount of comics within this year, then I can live with that price. <laughs> yeah, you got to justify it. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm all in on the limited series stuff. You know, like talking about Tom King, it's like I still need to finish his uh, Rorschach because um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this, but I'm just going to wait till it's all done. Yeah, that's the nice thing about the app, too, though, is like, there's usually always at least one finished series that you want to read on there. So then right. by the time you read that, you have something else. And I've been checking out random things like this is technically an ongoing, so it has a lot of issues, but like the Scooby-Doo comics mm -hmm. and the Scooby-Doo team up where they team up with Batman and Robin and all of these other characters, they just have so many fun things that I think people don't think to look for within the DC Universe app because they're just like... Mm. I'm going to read Batman. I'm going to read Superman, you know? Right. Yeah. Batman suit. Yeah. The big, the big ones are always going to be the ones that keep the ship afloat, but you know, that's. And look, I've heard really, really good things about Tom Taylor's Nightwing run, which is why I started reading it from the beginning. Cause I knew at the beginning there was some good stuff that I had enjoyed. So I revisited that and I'm kind of at a low point now, but I'm going to power through. And by the time I get caught up at that should be like around a hundred issues that I read on DC universe wow. infinite. So just for that I mean, one yeah, series. Kudos. So that's not even counting like this or anything else that I've been reading. Cause I've also been wanting to read, like, I think I missed one of the Hill house series. Okay. So I, I think I still need to read plunge and then I know they're doing refrigerator full of heads now. So I'm kind of waiting for that to all <laughs> be up there if it isn't already. And mm. James Tynan, the fourth's nice house on the lake. That looks really, really good. So I'm going to check that out once there's a few more issues of it, but nice. Drew, thank you so much for recommending this. It has been great chatting. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm always, I, you know, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't read nearly as many comics as I used to, but every, every once in a while there's one that's like, yeah. Hey, check this out. And definitely if you know, there's some, uh, older comics, uh, if you haven't checked out, I, I could, I could see what's on my shelf essentially and see what you might have access to. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm always here for some pro comics talk. Uh, so th thanks for having me on Deanna. Of course.